0: Hi, everyone. It's Ashley. Each week here on The Deck, you hear raw interviews from family members and investigators who are looking for answers to cases that, for whatever reason, remain unsolved. But unsolved crimes are often unsolved for a reason. Time has cracked and curved around some of these cases for so long that getting answers has become complicated. Well now, investigative journalist Delia Diembra is turning back the clock to look at an unsolved case from 1991. She's speaking to investigators, key witnesses, and loved ones who are still searching for answers on how exactly 27-year-old Douglas Wagg Jr. died. But here's the thing. While Delia's investigation for this season of CounterClock started as a look into one man's suspicious death, A string of crimes and other mysterious deaths point to so much more. Tune in each week for new episodes of CounterClock Season 6 wherever you listen to podcasts. Love is more than a day on the calendar or a sign-off on a letter. Love starts with you. Show off your personal style with new Pandora jewelry pieces that radiate with your love from every angle. With Pandora's vast selection of rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and charms, there's endless ways to show what's in your heart. Write a love note to yourself or your best friend with handwritten charms or a personal engraving. Shop now at pandora.net. Pandora, be love. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. No matter where you are in life, when you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Our card this week is Maggie Long, the Four of Spades from Colorado. In 2017, 17-year-old Maggie went missing in rural Park County, Colorado, only to be found hours later as the victim of the most brutal murder the area had ever seen. For the past five years, Maggie's horrific murder has weighed on law enforcement in the small community as they've struggled to get any answers to the nagging questions surrounding her case. I'm Ashley Flowers, and this is The Deck. It was around 7 p.m. on December 1st, 2017, when Connie Lewis pulled up to her little sister's high school in Bailey, Colorado. Her sister Maggie was helping with a Christmas concert that night, and Connie promised that she would be in attendance. She even planned to stay the weekend so the two could go Christmas shopping together. But when Connie walked inside the high school, she wasn't met with Christmas cheer. Instead, she was greeted by her younger brother Derek and several of Maggie's friends who were standing around looking worried.
1: Everyone is asking where Maggie is. You know who Maggie is? Like, Maggie's in charge of the VIP lounge. She's supposed to bring all the refreshments and the the, uh, snacks and everything. Where's Maggie? Immediately, a
0: wave of concern washed over Connie. Maggie was super responsible. So she wouldn't just not show up for something without telling someone, especially if it was an event that she helped organize. But before freaking out, Connie wanted to make sure Maggie hadn't just somehow totally spaced the concert or lost track of time or something. Connie stepped outside to call Maggie, but her phone went straight to voicemail, which actually kind of happened a lot around there because Bailey is a pretty rural, mountainous place and the reception is spotty. So Connie knew it was possible Maggie just didn't have service wherever she was.
1: At this point, I'm thinking she's at the house because sometimes she gets so busy and she exhausts herself to the point where she'll just like take a nap for a couple hours. So I was like, maybe she like fell asleep, but I waited around to see if she'll show up. And I kept my eye on the door and she, now this time, like the opening ban has started and I'm like, okay, she's still not here. I was getting that like weird gut feeling that something was off.
0: So Connie left to go to her parents' house, which was like this huge two-story house that they owned where the family lived on the first floor and they actually rented out the smaller top floor. On the 10-mile drive there, Connie kept trying to call the man who was currently renting out that second story. His name was Robert. And Robert had just been texting Connie about an hour prior, something about weird noises at the house and how the lights were flickering. So she knew that he was home, but now he wasn't picking up. His phone was going straight to voicemail too. So she eventually just left him a voicemail asking him to go check and see if Maggie was downstairs asleep. When Connie finally arrived at the family home, she turned into the three quarters of a mile long winding driveway. And that's when her stomach dropped. Even though she could hardly see the house from the end of the driveway through the layers of trees, it was immediately clear that something terrible had happened
1: there was a lot of commotion. There was like a ton, a ton of sirens and I could still smell the smoke, but our house, the driveway kind of winds up into the woods. So you can't see very plainly from the county road what was going on. Like I could just see the lights kind of, you could see it like through the trees
0: With a pit in her stomach, Connie continued down the driveway and the scene she found was overwhelming. Connie's mom, Heather, had just arrived home too, and they were taking it all in together. Patrol cars and fire trucks were crowded in front of the house, which was enveloped in billowing smoke, though the house was still standing.
1: And I just stopped there and I was like, "Okay, what's what's happening? And there was a fireman who... He, like, vaguely mentioned, like, oh, yeah, it seems like there was a burglary. Uh, We did, like, there are some missing weapons. And I remember him saying, like, it's just really messed up. And I was like, huh? Like, I don't, I didn't know what was happening. I was very confused.
0: Adding to the confusion was something else Connie and her mom saw in the driveway. And that was Maggie's car, which meant that Maggie had to be home. But they didn't see her anywhere outside.
1: So at this point, we don't know where Maggie is because they're not telling us. And I kept asking, like, is Maggie okay? Is she in there? Where is she? But nobody was telling us anything.
0: All Connie knew was that there had been a fire. The home had possibly been burglarized, and her little sister was still missing. So with no answers in sight, Connie did what any good big sister would do. She began calling people, getting the word out about Maggie's disappearance. One of the first people she phoned was their older sister, Lina, who was living 900 miles away in Minneapolis at the time.
2: Connie called me and was, you know, sounding very emotional, kind of relayed the scenario that she kind of just said that something was wrong with the house it seemed like there was a fire that they can't find Maggie
0: being so far away and feeling helpless Lina did what she could to help find her little sister she posted on Facebook begging for anyone who had seen Maggie to call the police immediately Lina's Facebook post read in part quote please anybody who is from Bailey Colorado i need your help my sister Maggie Long is missing time is of the essence She is 17 years old, Asian female, long brown hair with blonde highlights. She was supposed to be at the high school concert tonight. Any details are welcome. End quote. Unbeknownst to the Long family, as Lina was making that post, first responders were processing a baffling crime scene inside their home that was unlike anything the community of Bailey had ever seen before. Just like the firefighter implied to Connie, the home had been completely ransacked, and it looked like there had been a burglary. A huge firearm safe that looked like it had been dragged from the primary bedroom was laying in the middle of the living room, which right away told responders that they were dealing with more than one perpetrator if they were able to lug that safe into the living room. Other items were scattered about, almost like there had been some kind of struggle, And there was a trail of accelerant throughout the home, which solidified the theory that they all probably had at this point. They were looking at a burglary turned arson. The whole home had sustained heavy smoke damage. But as they searched the house, they realized there was only one room that bore the brunt of the fire. Wendy Kipple, who at the time was an investigator with the district attorney's office in Park County, was on the scene that day. And she recalled that the whole room, which they determined was a bedroom, was burned down pretty much to the studs.
3: Everything was really burnt in there and unrecognizable pretty much as objects. Among the heaps of ashes and
0: unidentifiable scorched objects, they saw something that was recognizable something that they would never be able to unsee. Atop what looked like a bed was a severely burned human body. The body was so badly burned that it was impossible to even loosely identify. Parts of the limbs had even been burned off. But there was one thing that was immediately clear. The person had been restrained. With their arms behind their back, and a coat had been pulled down over the victim's hands, which actually preserved them, and duct tape was used to tie them together. Now, although first responders couldn't identify the body right away, they knew Maggie was missing. So, putting two and two together, they notified Connie and her mom. After breaking the news to the family, authorities knew that they couldn't stay quiet. They had to address the public. Bailey is a tight-knit community of about 8,000 people, and law enforcement knew that everyone was worried sick about Maggie. So the Park County Undersheriff wrote a statement about the situation that was posted on Facebook the very next day. The post is now deleted, but the Flume reported that it read in part, quote, On-scene investigation is wrapped up. Cause and origin of the fire is inconclusive. Still no sign of her, no body at the fire scene, end quote. And yeah, you heard that right. Nobody at the scene. Why the sheriff's office felt the need to blatantly lie to the public like that is something present day investigators still struggle to wrap their minds around.
3: I still, to this day, do not know why they didn't want to put out there that Maggie was, in fact, found at the house. Her family knew because they notified them right away, they knew she was dead but yet they were still putting it out to the public that Maggie was still missing. And I just, it it blew my mind as an investigator with the district attorney's office. I think maybe they thought they could get whoever committed this crime before it got out that she was murdered. With the public still in the dark about what happened, investigators
0: began interviewing people. And one of the first people that they talked with was the person who called 911, that upstairs tenant, Robert. Texas Pete is the sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around. It's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas peat sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. The signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It has been at the center of dinner tables since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor. And their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. I actually put that dry rub on my chicken last week and loved it. Texas Peat, sauce like you mean it. Visit texaspeat.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use promo code DECK24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real, Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Stodd, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000-plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, Resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else, on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code DECK at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Robert told investigators that he left work that day at around 7.45 in the morning and then didn't return to his apartment until 6.40 p.m. When he got home, he said that he saw Maggie's silver Cadillac parked right out in front but didn't notice any other strange vehicles in the driveway or anything. It wasn't until Robert got into his upstairs apartment and settled in that he realized something was off. He heard concerning noises from the first floor, like lots of banging and commotion. Then he started smelling smoke. So that's when he texted Connie. Now, you're probably asking yourself why Robert texted Connie instead of reaching out to somebody who currently lived at the Long's house, like Connie's parents, or even their younger brother, Derek, or even Maggie. But Connie told our reporting team that she recalls Robert actually texted her mom first, but she was likely too busy at the restaurant to respond. So that's when Connie and Robert started texting. She said they had each other's numbers because they used to work at the restaurant together. So anyways, as the loud noises continued, Robert told investigators that he grew more and more worried. So about 20 minutes after he got home, this would have been just before 7 p.m., he called 911. And he said that after he made that call, he saw a
3: man standing out in the driveway. When he heard the sounds and he went out his door and there's like a, a small deck area and then steep stairs that went down to the front of the house and he went out and kind of looked out and he saw this guy standing at the bottom of the stairs, but he was standing back enough that that guy he said couldn't see him. It's kind of like peeking the edge and he could see him. Robert said that
0: from where he was standing, he couldn't see any strange cars that he could offer investigators a description
3: of, but he did get a really good look at the man. He described him and what he was wearing and he said he was wearing like khaki-colored shorts, long shorts, um, and a t-shirt, which for December, that's kind of unusual unusual dress for up here. While investigators were talking with Robert, other detectives
0: were interviewing Maggie's family, trying to piece together what Maggie had been doing that day. Here's the timeline that they came up with. She left for school at 6.30 that morning and stayed there till around 2.40 in the afternoon when she told friends that she was leaving to go home to grab snacks and water for the VIP lounge at the concert. That would have put her arriving home at around 3.10 p.m. And we know that 911 call came in around 7, which meant that there were nearly four hours unaccounted for. And because so much of the evidence was destroyed in the fire, investigators were left to speculate about the horrors that happened in that window
3: were pretty sure she was sexually assaulted, and they, they maybe tried to get the combination of the safe from her. She probably gave them the combination of her safe that they brought from her room into the master bedroom, but she may not have known the combination to the big safe that had the large amount of cash in it and sexually assaulted her in her room bound her hands behind her back. Through
0: talking with Maggie's family, authorities were also able to identify what items had been stolen in what now they knew was a robbery. A green gun safe, and all of its contents were gone. There were some jade figurines from Maggie's safe that were missing. A pearl necklace that had been gifted to Maggie from her parents. An AK-47 style rifle, a Beretta handgun, and somewhere around 2,000 rounds of ammunition. Now, Maggie's parents had the serial number for the AK-47 that they could provide police. But unfortunately, they couldn't find the serial number for the Beretta handgun. For the serial number that they did have, though, investigators entered that into the National Crime Information Center, or NCIC. So they'd be notified if a gun with that serial number was ever recovered from another crime, or if it was sold legally. But to this day, there have been no hits. While all of this was going on, investigators were having Robert sit down with a sketch artist to create a composite of this mystery man that he saw. There were no security cameras or anything that saw this guy, so detectives had no choice but to rely solely on Robert's memory. I'm going to put that sketch that they created in the blog post for this episode, which is on our website, thedeckpodcast.com. But the drawing is of a young white man, possibly in his 20s, with a very short haircut— He had almond-shaped eyes and this square chin. Now, none of his features are super pronounced, so he really just kind of looks like your average Joe. But even after getting this sketch, investigators weren't done with Robert just yet. They also wanted to vet his alibi before clearing him as a potential suspect. I mean, on paper, he seemed like a promising person of interest. He had no relation to the family at all. He was a newer tenant. And since he used to work for the Longs, he likely knew their schedule— So investigators checked with Robert's employer, who confirmed that he was at work when he said he was, until 6.15 that evening, which would have put him arriving home at around 6.40, just like he said. And that wouldn't have given him enough time to commit the crime before calling 911. So with that, he was cleared as a suspect. Back at the Long's home, an arson investigator with the Colorado Bureau of Investigation was carefully examining the scene. He determined that the accelerant used to start the fire was gasoline from a gas can in the Long's garage. It wasn't even something that the killers had brought with them. It was looking more and more like this was a crime of opportunity, like the assailants had no plans to kill when they entered that home. But then something changed. As investigators continued sifting through the home and collecting evidence, they were still being secretive about what really happened. There had been no communication to the public to clear up what the undersheriff had said, and authorities were unwavering in their silence, even as the days passed by. Three days after the fire, which would have been December 4th, Maggie's autopsy got underway, and it confirmed what detectives suspected all along. Since both of her hands were well-preserved, the coroner's office was able to compare fingerprints from Maggie's driver's license, and it was a match. — But because of the state of her body, the coroner was unable to determine if she'd been sexually assaulted. But they were able to determine how she died. Wendy Kipple was present at the autopsy that day and remembers the horrifying discovery well.
3: Her trachea had soot inside of it, and the only way that happens is if you're alive when you're in the fire. So she was literally burned alive. This is probably the most brutal murder I have ever seen in my career, and I just, I can't imagine the horror that that poor girl went through.
0: That's not the only thing the autopsy uncovered. The coroner also scraped Maggie's fingernails and got some possible DNA, which was sent off for testing. But after the autopsy, the Park County Sheriff's Office and the District Attorney's Office did something weird. Instead of sharing the devastating news with the community that there was a body found in the fire and it sadly was Maggie, they just stayed quiet. In fact, they wanted to make sure that everyone else stayed quiet too. So on the day of the autopsy, a gag order was issued, which obviously only added to the confusion for the community. Because to them, this was still only a missing persons case and a possible
3: arson. So we couldn't talk about the case And we couldn't say, Maggie's dead. And I think that's why they put out the gag order to keep people, anybody close to the case, from saying, no, there was actually a body found in the house. And it turned out to be Maggie. While investigators were
0: staying quiet, waiting for the perpetrators to come forward, Maggie's family was quietly mourning their unspeakable loss. Their sweet Maggie, who was just days away from her 18th birthday, was so suddenly and horribly stolen from them. Lynna and Connie told our reporting team that their sister was the best person to be around. She was funny and smart and caring and a huge overachiever. She was involved in just about everything a high schooler could be. Key clubs, student council, music theater, drama club,
2: and even speech and debate. I think kind of just aside from the things that she did and the things that she participated in, Maggie was always a very social and inclusive person who's who's very emotionally intelligent and just like a social butterfly like just a very inclusive person just very warm and super funny like she was hilarious like just um super nerdy it's just like the interactions we would have with her because she would just like laugh really hard like making her laugh was something that like I love to do because then she would just like lose it like hyperventilate and like that would make me like be really (laughs) silly and it's funny because like we me and her had like a pretty significant age difference like nine years but even despite that it was just like she was she always brought out the silliness in me and she would like throw her head back like throw her body back and like full body laughter mm-hmm. yeah um,
1: and she would always do that she, she did this thing where like she would say something or when somebody like would respond to her in a way that she thought was weird she would kind of do a weird side eye as if there was like a third party as if there was like a camera Right there, to kind break of the like fourth wall. Yeah, kind of like at in the office. You know, when Jim would just like look at the camera, she would do that. It would be yeah. really funny. She would always like apologize when she would run into inanimate objects. I actually made a sorry jar for her so that every time she like said sorry to objects, she had to put a dollar in it.
0: The Longs had to privately grieve, to say goodbye to those side-eyes and apologies and all the things that they loved about Maggie that were taken away without warning. By, By whom? Whispers were slowly spreading around the community about what had really happened to Maggie, even though the authorities weren't talking. And tips began coming in here and there with people reporting suspicious cars that they saw speeding away from the direction of the Longs' house on the eve of December 1st. A few people saw a silver or white minivan driving away from the home, but that description alone wasn't super helpful because in rural Colorado, that's like trying to find a poorly described needle in a haystack. As the days passed by with no word from authorities about the status of the case, the community at large was becoming increasingly frustrated because with every passing day, they grew more convinced that the
3: rumors they were hearing were true. And there was a lot of, I mean, chatter on social media about how the investigation was being handled and that people of the community felt like the Sheriff's Office was hiding stuff from the community. And they were understandably upset because they felt like, well, we have a killer at large and they're still saying that Maggie's just missing. So... A lot of people in the community were upset and still are upset about it, and understandably so. The community would
0: remain in the dark about the truth until December 7th, almost a week after the fire, when Park County Sheriff Fred Wegner broke the silence and issued a press release. The release read in part, quote, It comes with great sadness, we report, that human remains discovered in the burned home of the Long family have been positively identified as those of 17-year-old Maggie Long. We would like the community to help us in this endeavor and ask that you reach out to us to report if you observed any suspicious vehicles, individuals, or activities along County Road 43 in Bailey on December 1st, 2017. At this time, due to ongoing activities in this case, the sheriff's office will not comment on any details or status of the investigation. Signed, Sheriff Fred Wegner. The community was devastated. Not only was it confirmed that Maggie was gone, but also that they had been blatantly lied to by the sheriff's office. The staff of the local newspaper, The Flume, asked Sheriff Wegner why his office made that false claim to the public the day after the fire. He replied, quote, we made our comment. We'll live with it. End quote. The public was heartbroken, but they now knew the truth, and tips began flooding in. One person even called local police and said that they could give descriptions of two suspicious people they saw
3: that day. Somebody said, "Hey, we saw this vehicle coming at a high rate of speed down the road from the direction of the Longs' house," but it's December at seven o'clock at night on a windy, narrow road. They said these these two guys, they saw in that vehicle. How do you see them at seven o'clock at night in the dark on a windy road going past each other at 45 miles an hour?
0: Even though it seemed unlikely that the witnesses' memory of these two guys was reliable, the sheriff's office was in no position to be turning away potential leads. So they had the tipster work with a sketch artist to make composites. You can see those images on our website as well. The sheriff's office also caught wind of rumors that might point to a potential motive for the robbery and murder. Supposedly, the Longs were having money problems, even though they owned two popular restaurants and a liquor store. But the gossip was that they owed some money, and that's why all of this happened. Now, it's not super clear how seriously this rumor was taken, but it seems like it would have been easy to brush off because, like I said, the Longs were successful business owners, and investigators were becoming more and more convinced... That was actually the reason they were targeted. Not because of money
3: problems, but because of their money. The Longs had Asian food restaurants in Park County and one liquor store, and they didn't deposit their cash. They aren't too trusting of the banks, so they keep their cash at home. And there was a large amount of cash in the big safe. So police's theory was that
0: Maggie got home that day and had interrupted a burglary in progress, and that's why she was killed. But it was a theory that they wouldn't be able to prove until they caught the killers themselves, a hope that was fading more and more as the days crept by. Eventually, authorities got the results back from the skin cells found under Maggie's fingernails, but the results weren't exactly what they'd hoped for. Testing revealed that the cells were from two separate people, but the DNA was only enough for partial profiles. That meant that they wouldn't be uploaded to any databases. But they were enough that if any future suspects came on their radar, they could do a direct comparison. But six months went by and there were no suspects, no one to compare to that DNA. And that's when another eerily similar case in Missouri had everyone
4: hopeful that Maggie's killers had been caught. Busy parents have enough on their plates without adding your children's homework to the list as well. IXL is an excellent resource for homework help, which is especially nice for parents who are rusty on school info themselves. And methods have changed over the years too. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. It's designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. And you get one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. There's a reason why IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. From studies done in almost every state in the country, the kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. If your child is struggling, this is the smartest investment you can make. A month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring, so now you could get your child the help they need at an affordable price. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And the deck listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at ixl.com slash deck. Visit ixl.com slash deck to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I can remember sitting in my high school Spanish class looking down at the ground, just hoping, desperately hoping, I wouldn't get called on. Because languages have never come easy for me. And even after all those years of studying in school, I felt so insecure. That as my husband and I started exploring international travel recently, he convinced me that it was time to give language another try. So naturally, we found Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop or can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages and they have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing your words. As my family continues to explore future travel, I know I'm going to take advantage of that because I want to feel as confident and respectful as possible. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, The Deck listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com deck. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash deck today.
0: In June, two men broke into a 20-year-old woman's home in Johnson County, Missouri. They tied her up, beat her, and demanded that she give them the combination to her safe. She refused, so they poured gasoline on her. They lit her on fire and then fled. Thankfully, the woman survived. She somehow managed to escape and put out the flames on her skin. Just days later, law enforcement announced that they'd caught the guys who had done it. 24-year-old Antonio Bowen and 22-year-old Vincent Rist. When word of this horrible crime spread to Bailey, everyone was optimistic that these were the same guys who took Maggie's life. I mean, both cases were home invasion robberies that ended with a woman being lit on fire that happened just months apart. But it wasn't just the striking similarities in the case that stuck out to the small Park County community. It was the fact that one of the suspects, Vincent, bore a striking resemblance to the first composite sketch created for Maggie's case. I mean, it literally looked like a drawing of this guy. We actually have the composite next to his mugshot on the blog post for this episode. But just as quickly as everyone had gotten their hopes up that these were the killers, their hopes were dashed. Colorado investigators compared the partial DNA profiles that they had gotten from Maggie's fingernails with the two guys arrested in Missouri, and neither of them matched. It was a dead end. The months continued to drag by with no substantial leads, The anniversary of Maggie's death came and went, and detectives were no closer to catching her killers than they were on day one. Even though the community was a year removed from the heinous crime, it was still fresh in their hearts, and they wanted to honor Maggie the best way that they could. So in December, to celebrate what would have been her 19th birthday, friends, family, and members of the community joined together and handed out sandwiches to those in need, which is exactly what Maggie had planned to do on her 18th birthday. Despite Maggie's loved ones keeping her memory alive and law enforcement so desperately wanting to give her the justice she deserved, the case went cold. Even as turnover happened and new eyes were put on the case, there was still little movement. In 2019, Park County welcomed a new sheriff, and he brought on Wendy Kipple as a detective. But the case was still stuck in a rut. I mean, investigators chased down small leads here and there. But the next big development in the case wouldn't come until May of 2021. That's when the FBI made an announcement no one was expecting. They were now investigating Maggie's murder as a hate crime. This was huge for the case. It meant investigators would have additional resources and manpower to pour into finding Maggie's killers. But the announcement was met with confusion from the community. In Colorado, a hate crime is legally defined as, quote, a threat or act of intimidation, harassment, or physical force that is motivated by bias against a person or group based on their actual or perceived race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, sexual orientation, gender identity, and physical or mental disability, end quote. Now, up to this point, the public was under the impression— based on what they were getting from authorities that Maggie was killed because she interrupted a burglary. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So were police still holding back material info that completely changes the lens in which one would view this case? And if so, what are they holding back? It seems like this big question mark looming over the case is one that hasn't really been publicly addressed. So our reporting team asked Maggie's sisters if they've ever received an explanation for the labeling of her murder as a hate crime. And their answer was gut-wrenching.
2: When you look at the pattern of attacks against Asian-American properties and Asian-Americans in that kind of uh, COVID era, you know you'll see that there was like a number of crimes committed against Asian families because of the cultural differences of, you know, not trusting banks, having cash at home, their work patterns of Asians that own restaurants to, you know, not be at home because they're working at the restaurant during, you know, long hours. So is that why we were targeted? You know, that's, that's one, um, one arm of it. The other, you know, when you're, looking at it as who is the victim here and why did that person become a victim if they were somebody else would it have escalated to this to that level and so you know now we're talking about violence against women as a hate crime race aside you know you're looking at an extremely violent crime and the elements of the crime that occurred would that have happened if it were a man. know would that have happened if she were not a young woman and you know what are those elements that allow the crime to get to that level you know in a situation of a burglary why would you not just kill somebody but why would you burn them alive like that's messed up right
0: Wendy Kipple, who is now a sergeant with the sheriff's office, wants nothing more than to put the assailants behind bars. And she's hopeful DNA testing will advance to a point that that is going to be what cracks this case.
3: I think eventually technology will get us there. I've talked to our DNA analysts down at CBI, and they think within a short amount of time, like two to three years out, Maybe sooner we can hope that technology will get to the point that we can develop something more from the the evidence that we do have, but so far we just don't have it, which is frustrating because we don't have anything else at this point. We don't have anybody coming forward and saying anything. Sergeant Kippel told our reporting team that she believes the people who killed Maggie were not locals. I just don't think that they're from here, because if they're locals, somebody's going to start talking. They can't keep quiet for five years and not have anybody say anything. If if there's several guys that are involved in this, why hasn't somebody come forward? Why hasn't an angry ex-girlfriend or ex-wife or ex-friend say, you know what? I know who did this and go after him.
0: But she acknowledges that there are other factors that seem to point to the assailants being from the area. Like, how would they have known what house to target? The Longs place was in a really remote location. How would out of towners have known that the family had large sums of cash stowed away at home? These are the questions that keep Sergeant Kippel up at night. And they gnaw at Lynna and Connie, too because they know someone out there holds the answers. That person just hasn't come forward yet.
2: You know, definitely been a standstill in the investigation, and we just need people to, you know, come forward and speak out. And and if the lead doesn't go anywhere, then that's okay, it doesn't go anywhere. We've gone through a lot of leads, but we need more to look into in order to make any progress. I think just that somebody knows something and that there were multiple people involved And those multiple people have relationships and families and connections. I hope that, you know, anyone who's listening who has, like, a a bad feeling that they come forward with it. There's nothing to say that those people aren't going to do this again to someone else's sister, to someone else's daughter, to someone else's cousin. So Maggie was, in all of this experience, Maggie was truly
1: Innocent. Maggie was in the wrong place at the wrong time. In
0: closing, I want to read something Maggie wrote after one of her classmates passed away. And after Maggie's death, these words were featured in her school's yearbook to comfort the people now mourning her loss. She wrote, quote, I think the only real cure to cope with loss is to continue to be good people. Be kind, be caring, be passionate, be thoughtful. Know the value of the people around you and spread good vibes. But most importantly, don't limit your boundaries. Share love and consider everyone around you, from strangers to acquaintances to peers to friends. We all have our circle of close people, but it surely wouldn't hurt to feel the comfort of everyone on your side. I think enough people have experienced pain to understand that life is far more measurable in joy and good memories than to be scorched with cruelty and loss. If you know anything about the murder of 17-year-old Maggie Long in 2017, please call the Maggie Long tip line at 303-239-4243. The deck will be off next week, but we will return the following week with a brand new episode. The Deck is an audio Chuck production with theme music by Ryan Lewis. To learn more about The Deck and our advocacy work, visit thedeckpodcast.com. So, what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve? (laughs)
2: Boaters know that bad weather, like storms, lightning, and wind, can turn a fun day on the water into a challenge. But what if you had satellite-delivered weather data giving you the full picture of what's around you, even when you're offshore and out of cell range? With SiriusXM Marine, get up-to-date weather and fishing info directly on your boat's display. Plus, you can add SiriusXM entertainment. Visit SiriusXM.com marine to learn more.
1: Are you annoyingly inattentive? Do you watch a movie and then ask a zillion questions because you weren't paying attention? Do people ask, how do you sleep at night? Then you should get a mattress from Mattress Firm. They can help
4: anyone sleep. Get to Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and get a king bed for a queen price. Save up to $700 and get a free adjustable base with select Sealy mattresses. All with free and fast delivery. Get matched at Mattress Firm. Sleep at night. Restrictions apply. See store or website for details.